Listener Production. Hello everyone, thanks for joining us. This is Hookline and Sinker's Back to Basics Fishing Series, where there are no silly questions. This is the place where we strip it back, making it easy for you to get down to the water to enjoy the great sport of angling. I'm Luke McCredden and joining me are Nick Diagon and Andrew Hart, hosts of the long-running TV show Hookline and Sinker, a fishing show that's always put the fun before the fish. Our first two episodes have covered walking into the tackle store, gearing up and then finding a productive spot to put all that gear to work. Now this is episode three, the first cast, the scary part, rigging up, baiting up and casting out. We're setting the trap and this is everything you'll need to know. It's the exciting part, Look, This is what we've dreamt of. This is what we've planned to. We, we're actually going to cast a line into the water, Nick. What could possibly go wrong? Andrew, I'd like to tell you a lot of things that could go wrong. <laughs> um, and I, I reference my earlier career in fishing. Um, I can remember vividly a time when I was probably in my late teens, if I'm honest, and I'd bought... Yep. I'd been invited to go on a fishing trip, a trout fishing trip. Trout's a species I wasn't familiar with at the time, but I knew you had to cast little lures into a stream, into a river. So I had some little lures, little selters there, sort of funny little spinning lures that I'd bought. But I'd also bought, particularly for this trip, a combo rod and reel set, and it was a bait caster combo rod and reel set. And I, I will explain what a bait caster is. It's what you use, basically, you see people fishing for barramundi. So it's a rod with the reel on top, sort of upside yep. down, little low-profile reel, um, and you click them out of gear to cast them. Yes. Apparently, they're very accurate for casting, and I'd heard this said, uh, very accurate for casting. What they're not great at doing is casting very light lures. No. So I tied on my little light trout lure only to discover that I couldn't cast it at all. And, uh, you know, every time I cast, there was a huge, big tangle they in my do line. do tangle those reels oh, very bad. If, And I, I don't think I'd used it before. So no. this was an abject, utter disaster of a trip. And I looked like a bit of an idiot, to be honest. Yeah. Look, speaking of looking like an idiot, I remember when I was younger, I lived and breathed fishing. So yep. every Christmas I got a new something for fishing. This yep. Christmas I got a surf rod, so yep. a long rod, you know, yep. 12 foot long. Big one. Big rod. And it's for made for casting out far. And I went down to my local jetty and I thought, righto, this is it. This is the time. So I tied on a fairly weighty sinker. Uh, a couple of hooks, big baits. I thought, right, I'm going to cast this thing to the other side of the bay. Yeah. So I gave myself a run up. I sort of went back maybe off sort of 10 paces, <laughs> as though I was sort of going to bowl. <laughs> off the long fast, run. Yeah, off the long run. <laughs> and I've run toward the water as fast as I could and I've pulled my big long rod back and I've gone to cast it and there was a crack and the sinker and Baits went, I reckon, 500 metres. Yes. But they'd, they'd cracked off at the reel. So, And people were watching me at this stage, so I just stood there oh. as though I was casting. <laughs> and I just looked in the sinker and the bait flew out beautiful and straight, 500 metres, but, yes, wasn't attached to my rod. And I thought, what am I going to do now because people are sort of yes. staring. So I stood there for longer yeah. until I thought yeah. maybe they've stopped watching yeah, me. Yeah, for 15 And minutes. so I just put my rod down as though I was cast out. And uh, that was my first cast with a surf rod, which was yeah, a bit of a 
disaster. Yeah, no, I've got plenty. I could go on and on about all my disasters. But I guess um, that is to prove the point that we've, we've got to this point in our angling careers or, you know, in our um, imaginary audience members' angling career, there will be some ups and downs from here, some peaks and troughs. There will be times when you get a tangle. There will be times when it goes oh, a yeah. little bit wrong. But don't be discouraged by those things because uh, we're here to put you on the straight and narrow. Correct. So we've got our gear, Luke. Yes, we're, yeah. we're at our jetty or our stream or our river or our lake or our beach. Yeah, and a lot of the disasters we've spoken about tend to revolve around knots. So I think the next step should be working out the knots that we need to tie and tying them correctly. Yes. Oh, boy. Knots are important because oh. if you can't tie your lure or your hook to okay. your line, yep. it's just going to fall off. Now, fishing knots is an entire subject in and of itself there are and not very good to listen to no <laughs> no i'm going to demonstrate it if not you wouldn't now mind. okay for radio take, it's a bit tiresome take this line and twist it around here yeah look i as i said i lived and breathed fishing yep and i had a book yeah one of my few books that i've actually read in my life yeah and it was uh called knots and rigs by jeff wilson and yes. he went this was before the internet he went to extreme measures of illustrating every step of how to tie a bunch of different fishing knots and it was great so you could you could pick a knot and and basically sit there and practice it. in that book there would be 150 knots maybe a lot of knots anyway a lot of knots yeah do you need 150 no. knots no you don't need many knots. Let's start with two knots. Yep. I think that's good. Let's you know, start with two, two knots. knots. So if we tell you now to learn two knots that are not hard to tie, yep. um, I think that's good advice. Yep. Everyone can tie a granny knot. Yep. You could tie eight granny knots. Yep. Interestingly- And it'll you know, snap, you'll snap a fish off. It's not really good enough. Three granny knots. Three granny knots. You're Doesn't saying sleep. it's stronger than eight. Um, well, we, we have done uh, an experiment on this. And, we have. Um, fishing knots, what you want to do, uh, not by its virtue that it bends around, actually decreases the breaking strain of the line. Yeah. So what you want is a knot that decreases the breaking strain of the line by as little as possible. So yeah. fishing knots are designed to be tied with low friction so they don't damage the line necessarily. Granny knots, uh, which we have scientifically examined, while they will hold... Yes. Decrease fairly substantially the breaking strain of your line. It's the thing that's going to pop yep. quite quickly. If you hook a big fish with a granny knot or get a snag with a granny knot, yep. uh, it's just going to break. The granny the knot, knot will break. The, it, 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 it quite possibly reduces by 50% the breaking strain yes. of your line. So if you've got 10-pound line, it will break at your granny knots uh, at five pounds pressure. So yep. if you tie a proper fishing knot, it might be at eight pounds or yeah, nine or pounds. High, or, yeah, yeah. or even higher. Yeah. So granny knots are crap. Yep. So put them, put, don't tie granny knots. Put them to one side. Though most of my early fishing was done with three granny knots. I'm not surprised. No. Um, so we, we did a knot show, didn't we? Yep. Um, we were really scraping the barrel for ideas that year and we thought we, what we might do is do a show on fishing knots and yep. we, we tested a bunch of different knots where they broke uh, and the number one knot that came out of that was a knot called a uni knot. Yep. A uni knot you can use to attach your line to a hook, your line to a lure, you line um, to a swivel. You, yep. You you're just, line, it's a, you know, terminal it, knot. It's a universal fishing knot. It's not one that I grew up tying. I actually no. tied up, uh, used to use the blood knot. You can Google all this, but the uni knot is now my go-to since our research. Now, it is a very, very important point, this. The internet is a magnificent yep. resource for learning how to tie fishing knots, YouTube. amongst other things. Yeah, YouTube. Um, 
Yeah, so there are brilliant blow-by-blows, how to tie this knot, that knot. All you need to know is the name. So the name of the knot we're saying to tie your uh, line to a hook is the uni knot. It's it's basic, it's simple. Um, it takes a little bit to get used to. Yeah, it does. It's, it's there's not, a little knack to it. It's not as simple as the blood knot. No. Which you can also use. Yes. It's not quite as good, but it's only maybe 5% not as good. Look, and just practice it. You sit there, if you tie a uni knot five times a night for a week, yep. you'll have it down pat. You'll okay. never have to practice it again. Okay. Simple as that. Good. So get on YouTube, type in uni knot, learn how to tie it. The other knot you'd need, mm. I think, is a knot that perhaps joins two fishing lines together. Oh, boy. So we're probably not there yet, but what, what, what happens, for example, if you cast out and someone trips over your line and snaps it and you want to join it back together without losing all your hooks and stuff? That could be happen, couldn't it? Uh, not in my <laughs> experience, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, possibly. <laughs> or what happens if you want to put some new line on your reel because you, it's getting low and you don't want to throw your line, old line off? Okay. Okay? Yep. I don't know. You're going to join two pieces. There's going to be times when you want to join two lines together. Yep. You can do that with a double uni knot. Okay. So you, we've already learned the uni knot. Yep. Um, so it's just tying a uni knot and a uni knot and pulling them both together. Okay. Again, there's a knack to it. Yep. But get on YouTube. Practice it. Yep. You will have the two knots that you need to get you through the first stages of learning to fish. Okay, great. So uni knot and double uni knot, got those. Feel pretty confident after, as you say, Andrew, a week of practicing. What about the rigs, Nick? Yeah, Rigging. again, Luke, it is a massive, massive topic. People have over the centuries of fishing, and we've discussed fishing has been around for a very, very long period of time. Over that 25,000-year period, mm. um, all manner of rigs and variations of rigs have emerged. But I think for the purposes of this exercise, let's uh, let's go back to, say, the most simple, which is merely tying a hook to the end of our line. Now, this is a this is a rig. This is a rig that people use. In actual fact, Hardy, it's a rig that guru anglers use quite extensively. It's the floater rig, isn't it? You know, it's um, there is no weight. There's no impediment to the bait moving naturally in the water column. It's a very, very effective rig to use. And all you're doing in that instance is taking your fishing line at the end of your rod and tying a uni knot through the eye of a hook and you are done. It's the best rig. It is. It's what all rigs should be based around. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, that's best. an interesting point. It's it, the it, best rig because it, the fish yep. are more likely to eat a bit of bait that looks as though it's naturally wafting yep. down. Yep. If you tie a massive sinker to it and the bait just goes to the bottom and doesn't move, yep. fish less likely to eat it. I think that is a really interesting point to have in your mind that the best rig yep. you can have is a hook tied to your line. Yeah. So that's our starting point. That is the gold standard. Yeah. Um, that rig obviously has some limitations in that it's it's hard to cast yep. because it's very light, so it doesn't cast off the end of your rod very well. Yep. Uh, it doesn't sink no, particularly so quickly. No, or wind or something. If there's any moving, if the water is moving at all, um, your unweighted bait and hook will merely sit on top and you probably won't catch anything at all ever with it. Yeah. It, it's brilliantly effective in some circumstances but not great in others. You can improve that rig or, or make it more versatile by, before you tie the hook on, you actually thread your line through one of your Ball sinkers. Ball sinkers or yep. bean sinkers or yep. barrel sinkers or whatever. Yep. Um, but one of those little sinkers that has a hole through the middle of it, if you thread your line through that, then tie the hook on, 
you've now got some weight. So that gives you the opportunity to cast. It gives you the opportunity to drop down into deeper water. Probably the limitation of that rig is that the sinker sits very much on top of the bait, which might deter some fish for coming along. And it makes the bait have the same sort of action as a sinker, which isn't very much. You know, it's a bit wooden, a bit leaden. Um, to improve further, Andrew. Yes, Nick. On our um, sinker on top of the hook rig, yes. we can tie what's called a running sinker rig, and that's with the inclusion of a swivel. All right. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, like, yeah, I'm liking it. Yeah. yeah. So we cut all that off, cut everything off. We then thread our sinker, sinker on the line. On the line. Yep. We might even cut some of our line off. We might cut 50 centimetres of our line Good. off to use as a leader. Yep. That's coming up. Okay. So cut 50 centimetres of your line off. Yep. Don't be scared by sink- this. No, don't be scared by this. Okay. Sounding complicated, but I think it's going to be good. Yep. Sinkers on, tie a swivel then. Yep. Uni knot to a swivel. Yep. Then tie your 50 centimetre leader yes. to the other end of the swivel. Yes, uni knot. Uni knot yes. to the other end of the swivel. Then another uni knot to your hook. Yes. And you have what is known in the business as a running sinker rig. Yeah. And that is with the sinker 30 centimetres above your bait and that's separated by a swivel. Very and good rig. Very popular great. for a whole range of fish right the way around the country. Snapper in Port Phillip Bay, live baiting for barramundi in the yep. tropics. Uh, where they do fall down a little bit yep. is if it's maybe a bit snaggy because a running sinker rig is going to sit on the bottom, isn't it? On well, that's right. Bottom. So the, the sinker sits on the bottom and, and kind of the genius of this is that and where it gets its name is the running sinker is that the line can move freely through that sinker so the fish can pick up your bait and not necessarily feel the weight of the sinker. So it's a much more natural presentation. But like you say, if there is a rock or a little crevice or a stick yep. or something, that sinker sitting on the bottom can be a wee bit snaggy. So but if the, it's muddy or sandy... Happy days. Perfect. Happy days. Yeah. The running sinker rig. And like you say, Hardy, it is a rig that basically will catch any kind of fish as long as they're in the proximity of the bottom. Yes. And the only other advice I'd throw in there is yep. with your sinker weight, you go as small as possible. Even go... Too small to start with. Yep. Um, because the person who's using the lightest sinker will catch the most fish. Yep. So it's a fine line. You need yep. a sinker to be able to cast and get you down there. But when you get some ball sinkers, maybe get four or five different sizes yep. and start with the smallest. And if yep. the smallest is still washing around and no good, then go, you know, the next biggest. A little bit bigger. Don't just put a massive hunk of lead on there because that's the mistake everyone makes. One thing you probably want to get your head around is this idea that your rig is not set, you know. I'm a bit of a shocker for it. I'll tie one rig in the day and that's the rig I use. But the point you make, to change sinker, all it is is cutting, you know, one knot. You're tying one more knot. You're tying your uni knot one more time. So that literally takes three minutes. It's done. Don't worry about it. Feel free to experiment with your rig to get the best kind of... Don't be lazy. No, don't Mm. be lazy. If you're not catching anything, maybe change it up. Yes. Yes. Nick, what about some rigs that potentially keep the bait off the bottom, clear of the bottom? Yes, there is a famous rig. So the Patnoster rig, um, which okay. people may have heard of. It's. Do you know what it means, Drew? Sure, you're going to tell me, Doug. Yes. <laughs> Patnoster. 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 It means our father. In Latin. Um, but I think the Patnoster rig, interestingly enough, was um, got its name from a little village in South Africa on the coast there, where the rig was developed. The village of Patnoster. Our father. 
At this point, our running sinker rig, we've got the hook as the bottom end of the rig. In the Paternoster, yes. the sinker is the bottom end of the rig. So this gets your hooks up off the snaggy bottom yep. potentially. So the sinker's yep. still sitting on the bottom. Yep. But your hooks are sort of wafting a bit above, which isn't bad either because the fish might be able to find the bait better if the hooks are wafting above the weed and the yep. rocks. We want a dropper basically, so one or more droppers. You can have um, one or two or three or four hooks in a Paternoster rig. Your sinker's on the bottom. Yep. Tying of a loop is handy in this instance yep. because you can tie a loop knot. Again, have a look at the internet and then you can thread your hook onto that. Some people will tie little three-way swivels in their Paternoster oh, yeah. rigs, which again then means you only need to tie a uni knot because the third arm of the three-way swivel will act as a anchor point for your dropper. I'm not sure that we'd be recommending people buy three-way swivels and you can actually buy these Paternoster rigs as ready-made things in a packet. Often they're made with wire and... I would say steer clear of those. Yes. Um, Yes. I have a mate that uses those and we go flathead fishing. Yep. And he catches exactly a third less fish than we do because the the fish can see the wire. Yes. You don't have to be that smart to work that out. Yes. So, yeah, it's easy because you just tie it on, yes. clip on a sinker, clip on a couple of hooks, yeah. but the fish can see it. Yes, and I think that's probably, if you put that in your mind, by clipping one of those on, you are cutting your catch rate by 66%. Yep. Um, that should <laughs> be that disincentive enough yep. not to put those on. Um, you know, if you if you go back and think about our single hook tied to a line as the gold standard, Correct. you're getting a long way away from that by having a big metal wire uh, rig thing tied on to the end of your line. So, again, I'd recommend, I know it wasn't in your knots thing, but a loop but, knot. but being able to tie a loop in your line is really simple yep. um, and it's a really effective way of making a Paternoster rig um, so the hook stands out from the main line and they work well. Yep. And so once you can do a running sinker rig and once you can do a Paternoster rig, yes. pretty much put a line through it. That's it for bait fishing, isn't it? Pretty much. Yep. You're kind of there. Yeah. Um, in some circumstances, the running sinker might be better suited to not being a running sinker, you know, with the with the sinker right down to the hook if you're fishing out of a boat in reefy country because it's less snaggy or whatever. Yep. But, but you it's know, still the same principle. It is. Mm. So we start with a hook. Yep. That's a rig. We have a running sinker rig. That's a rig. And we have a paternoster rig. That's a rig. That's and a rig. You can use them all in the same spot if you want to. They all work. The interesting point is deciding when to change from what rig One to, to the, the other. other. Don't worry about it too much. No, <laughs> no. Just throw some bait out there and hopefully you'll get a bite. Okay, good. I feel good with those knots and rigs, guys. And I think uh, if anyone wants to check them out, we've done a couple of demos, we've done a couple of videos, and you can have a look at those on the Podcast One Australia social channels. Yeah, it's difficult uh, to describe, but mm, better to look at knots. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Mm. And if we can tie them, anyone can. Anyone can. You're listening to Hook, Line and Sinker, Back to Basics Fishing Series. If you're enjoying the series, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Just hit five stars and tell us what you like about the series and why. You can get in touch with us and say g'day on our Facebook page, Hook, Line and Sinker, Australian Fishing Show. But I'm glad we're at this point because it's now that I'd like to suggest we introduce some burley to the water, some Mm. burley to the situation because we're just about ready to cast in. What is it that you're talking about, burley, Luke? Please elaborate. The burley effectively is, is an attractant. It is something to stimulate the fish into a bit of a feeding mode. Yep. The idea is to give them a bit of a taste but not feed them. Burley comes in a 
lots of different forms. So if you go into your tackle stores, you can see there's some pallets, there's all sorts of oils. There's also some homemade remedies, which I'm sure we've all done and put together. For example, bread and things like that. Wherever you are, you can- Bread is not a bad pearl. Bread's a good one. Have you got any concoctions that you've done- yeah, I've had mixed success with Burley. I mean, you know, like you say, you can buy Burley in the in the tackle shop. I'm not sure you necessarily need to do that. No, I pretty, wouldn't be buying Burley. Pr- chook pellets and tuna oil is yes. a pretty good standard Burley. You do have to buy the tuna oil, though, you and do. that's not cheap. Now, I've often played around with this idea of cat food, um, like you know, food. Snappy Tom, that sort of thing. <laughs> you see it on the ad and you think, oh, yeah. they're putting all that fish in that cat food. That's yeah. going to be good burly. Turns out they put a, not that much fish in cat food <laughs> and it's mostly, That's I don't know, ears and beaks and whatever. But uh, <laughs> And cat biscuits are the worst burly you can come across. Yeah, they don't break up. They, they don't break. Fight. No, they, they are made out of, what, like little asbestos briquettes or something <laughs> yeah. and they do not disintegrate. No. So what you're looking for is, is a method of burling that, disseminate small particles yes. into the water column. So mm. there's the smell and the taste and the, the potential of something good to eat, but nothing really to eat. No, the key there is you're teasing them, you're not feeding them. Yes. So small amounts of burley frequently, yep. not yes. big lumps of burley, you know, in one hit. And so there's two ways you can do this. You can throw little bits of burley in, yep. uh, you know, every now and then. Yep. Or you can get some sort of burley deploying Thing, which an could be bag. as simple as an onion bag or mm. a stocking yep. or um, a bit of net or you can actually buy plastic containers from the from the fishing shop that actually have a lid on them, a heap of holes in them and a, and a weight in the bottom and you could actually say if you're on a jetty, you could drop that down to the yes. bottom, give it a couple of shakes yes. mm-hmm. with your concoction. Perfect. Of, yeah. Let's say our burlies, chook pellets, tuna oil, a bit of bread and a few mashed up pilchards. That's about as that's good as burlies. Yeah, that's oh, great. That's delicious. Yeah, yeah. Drop it down to the bottom and may, or maybe even have a net up the top as well, Ooh. and uh, and burly burly, and the fish will come. And what you'll do, what will happen is that the little fish will come first because the little fish will come and eat the burly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. you get little fish hanging around, yeah, the big fish will follow. They yeah. are right burly. Behind. Um, there are people I think who like making burly more than they like going fishing. You know, it's kind <laughs> of a thing in fishing. People have their own secret burly recipes. I was recently at one of those you know village market things, mm. walking past one of those tables with old saws and rubbish really? and hammers and stuff, but he had on the end there a couple of hand minces really? and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to get me one of them hand minces and I'm going to have that on my boat and I'm going to just catch fish and mince them into the water and that is going to make me the burly king of the world. Okay. Yeah, right. hand mince. Obviously so- <laughs> fish that are of a size. All legal. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. All legal. Yeah. 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 No, that's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Mince yeah. up. Live fish, it's good. No, no, not live. They'll be, They'll be euthanized <laughs> before they go through the mincer. But um, okay, so bits of burly. Burly though, is there. vital. Attractive. So if, if I'm going to go down the jetty for the first time, uh, does it work everywhere? Is yeah, it just the jetty? It no, works everywhere. No, sorry, yes, but I was just using the jetty as an example. Right. Uh, or the beach. Yep. Which is an interesting one because the beach is such a live, wide environment. You think, well, if yep. I put burly in there, it's gone in you know twenty no, seconds. Just the smell. Pointless. The smell will bring the fish around. Yes. Yeah. But it will, it will increase your chances of catching a fish tenfold. Yep. And, you know, if you're doing it with a kid, you'll get some tiddlers around. The kid can use a hand line to catch tiddlers, yep. learn the basics of fishing. Yep. Um, it will increase your chances, you know, down the track when you're in a boat. If you're using bait, burly is key. Yep. It, it does add a layer of sort of palaver to the whole exercise because yes. you've got to carry your burly in, you've got to yep. mix it up, you've got to have some sort of receptacle to uh, administer it. But yep. um, it, it certainly does pay off. 
one last step, guys, before we can cast in and mm-hmm. get that hook in the water, and that is, of course, choosing your bait, mm. finding the right bait mm. and getting it on the hook. If you go into a tackle shop, again, a good big tackle shop, yeah. multiple freezers with everything from whole tuna mm. down to little pippies. Even a service station. I mean, you, you well, pro- yeah. probably get your bait from a servo and there's a lot of servos that have bait freezers and as yep. you say, there's a whole range of baits. So where do you start? It's a great question and I think a lot of the uh, answers come from where you're fishing. We've touched on earlier in the series around squid and pilchards being pretty uh, solid baits for anywhere, I guess, saltwater yep. uh, fishing is. Yep. Squid has the the great characteristic of being tough and rubbery. And, exactly. Uh, so if you put a squid bait on, the fish has to work pretty hard to denude your hook to get to debait you. <laughs> um, if you... Put a pilchard on. Pilchards are soft, oily, or blue bait, you know, yes. pilchards, whatever. They yep. sell those little blue fish in a bag. Mm. If you buy those and put them on, as soon as a fish basically has a bit of a swipe at your pilchard on your hook, if he doesn't hook up, your bait is gone. So you'll yes. be forever debating. But I think you need best of both worlds. Because yeah. my knock on squid yeah. is that it's a bit tasteless. A bit manky. And it doesn't really give a natural burly trail. So yep. you put a pilchard fillet on or something like that. You yep. cut up a bit of pilchard and put it on your hook. Yes, it's going to come off. Yeah. But it's also going to give you that natural burly trial. It's oily and it's smelly yep. and it will bring the fish in. And then if you could have maybe a bit of squid on the top hook, so yep. say you've got a paternoster rig, you've got some pilchard on the bottom hook, a little tiny bit of squid on the top hook. They we might. did an interesting thing up in the Whitsundays, snorkelling around watching GT's feed and there was somebody in the boat while we were snorkelling throwing bits of bait into the water near us to make the GT sort of come in giant trevally I'm talking about, which is a big, impressive fish. Yeah. And he would smash anything that was a pilchard, but he wouldn't eat the squid. Really? You know, no, he wasn't interested in no. it. He'd come and look at it, turn his nose up, off I'll go. I'm not having that. So um, not all fish will eat all baits, no, I guess. fair so enough. And a little cocktail. Sorry, a little Hulk. cocktail. Bring the pilchard will bring him in. You might miss him. You might, you might take it off. From your hook, mm, yeah. denude your hook, as yeah, you say. Mm, yeah. um, but then if there's a little bit of squid there, he's probably now excited and hungry and will have a, yeah. a little nibble at the squid. Yeah, uh, Probably no point buying a box of squid if you're heading to a river to chase trout though, Andrew. Correct. What are we doing in this case? Well, we're thinking like a fish, Luke, and we're probably using, you know, for, for trout we're using a worm. For cod we're using cheese for some reason because that's what they eat. Seems weird, doesn't it? It yeah. does seem strange, that one. But, you know, we're using cheese or a, a, a worm or a yabby or a or beady a, grub. Is that what they call? Uh, Barty yeah. Grub. Barty yeah. Barty grub. grub. Mm. Beady grub. Yeah. Beady grub. grub with a beard. <laughs> um, um, if we're fishing for barramundi, we're probably going to be using little mullets. So the, the things that fish eat naturally are mm. probably a good bait to start. Look, and you touch on a point there that the best bait is obviously um, things that you'll probably catch. The next step. When you are fishing, you know, these are the actual things that the fish you are targeting want to eat. So um, collecting your own bait is a great thing, but that's probably something we'll talk about later on in the series. For this one, a cocktail of things. So you've got bait on and you've got bait that the fish want to eat. There is a key there, though. Uh, well, we do have a bit of a cocktail, squid and pilchard, for example. Yep. We want to be careful not to overdo it. Yep. And, look, we've said this already in this series, you know, when people are starting off, they use hooks that are too big, sinkers that are too big, and always baits that are too big. Yes. <laughs> Massive, big, 
clumps of um, bait on the end of your hook. No good because, uh, number one, you probably um, block up the hook point so you make it difficult to hook a fish, plus you sort of eliminate lots of the littler fish that you're likely to catch. So put less of a massive bait on your hook, just a nice little, if we're using pilchards, you want to cut them, you can even fillet them, lovely little fillets of pilchard hardy and a bit of squid on there. And make sure you did touch on it, but make sure that the points of your hook, so from the bendy bit out to where the barb is and the point, is out from the bait. So it doesn't want to be wedged in with with fish scales and stuff like that on it and a bit of skin on it. It wants to be nice sitting out nice and proud from the bait. So as when the fish comes and swallows it, you'll hook him up. Uh, Yes. That's the the last thing you do before you're about to plop it in, Luke, or cast it out is Mm. just check that hook point because that's where it all lives and dies, the point of that hook. So make sure, like Hardy said, there are no scales blocking it up as often the case, um, that it's clean and clear and ready to go. And then you are ready to put it all in the water. Oh, it's exciting. Mm. We've gone from the tackle store, mm. we've found a spot, we've rigged up, we've baited up. Now it's time to cast. What could go wrong? <laughs> and again, it's not bad if you've had a little bit of a quiet time, a little bit of time away from perhaps the the glare of other fishermen watching you to just run through the casting, particularly if you are going to cast out, maybe it's easier to drop it down over the side, but how would you describe the act of casting our fishing gear well, that we've got? If you've taken our advice yep. and, and purchased a 3,000 size fishing reel and a seven foot light rod and, yep. you know, pretty light line, yep. it shouldn't be too bad. No. It should be pretty easy to cast a small sinker and a little hook and a bit of bait um, because that rod is, you know, designed to cast well. And gear of today is better than gear of yesteryear. Yep. Line of today is better than line of yesteryear and it's all designed to cast. So, you know, obviously, as you say, have a practice. We open the bail arm open, we hold onto the line and we fling it, it out. Yep. It's a timing thing. It's a bit yep. like a golf swing, I suppose. Uh, you know, you can you can go there like I did when I got my first surf rod and cracked my sinker 500 metres into the middle. Yep. It's not about power. It's more about rhythm and timing and you've got to let go of the line at just the right point and, and then then the line will go out from you, in a, you know, where you want it in a straight direction. Yeah. There's a bit of trial and error. Yeah, know, yeah. But it's not difficult, particularly those, um, you know, a spinning re- rod and reel is pretty easy to cast. It yeah. basically goes where you point it and where you let it go. Early doors, it's not that uncommon as you cast to see your bait fly off the hook as well yep. um, and, and land independently of your hook and sinker. Um, <laughs> so don't you be lazy. Can... Don't just leave it out there with no bait because <laughs> no. you won't catch a fish. No. You can, as you did with your surf rod, Hardy, wait sort of an acceptable period of time before you reel it back in and bait up and do it again. And then go, oh, they're, gee, they're ready in the bait <laughs> yeah. today. They're hungry today. Yeah. So we've practised our cast and then we've actually done a good cast from the jetty and we're proud of ourselves. The bait's still on the hook, so yep. we give ourselves a pat on the back. Yep. We we're out. in the game. We're in the game. We're, we're in the game. We're fishing. Yeah. Um, what we don't want to do now is just put the rod down mm-hmm. and wait for a bite. What we want to do is stay sort of nice and in contact with our mm. hook and sinker. When I say in contact... Slack line, dogs. Yep. Slack line is the enemy. Yes. Um, and it is probably the thing that there is no real shortcut to learning. It's it's one of those things. It's a feel thing. But, yes, you want to be in contact so that if a fish comes along and interacts with your bait, you will know about that because yep. um, otherwise you're just sort of sitting there. So it's this you don't want slack, to- slack line. Slack line gets tangled and it gets in other yes. people's way. So casting out and then you're winding in a little bit until you feel the weight of your rig yep. out there. Yep. 
You make an interesting point there, Nick, about getting in other people's way. We should touch on a bit of etiquette around fishing on some of these platforms where you you are going to have people around you and you're going to be fishing with others. Yes. Probably a few things to just take note of or be careful of while you are fishing. Yeah, look, there can be jetty rage, you know. Yeah, if, yeah jetty if, rage. If everyone's standing yeah. there yeah. fishing and you cast over yeah, three lines, then you're just going to have to be apologetic and say, yeah. sorry, I'm just starting. Yeah. Um, fishermen obviously a nice lot and they'll just say, no problems, yeah, mate. to a point. Um, to a point. Uh, <laughs> so but the, uh, the other thing I would say is don't give us a bad name because some fishermen, yes, although lovely, yes. are grubs. Yeah, don't Awful, be a dirty little grubs. grub. No. No. Don't, if you take it. To the fishing spot. Yes. Take it home. Yes. Put it in the bin. Don't be a grub, you know. Uh, etiquette, I guess. Don't catch the undersized fish and bash it on the head and don't. Don't leave dead fish on the jetty. No. Leave it as you found it because what will happen and what is happening is that the council or whoever owns the jetty will just close it to fishing because uh, there's too many grubby fishermen. Yes, it is a great privilege to be able to go down and interact with the fish and all that sort of stuff. So you've got to show it a bit of respect and um, don't give fishermen a bad name. It's too often that you'll go to a, particularly those land-based platforms and you'll find big bird's nests of line that's yeah, cut off line, and left there. And bags of bait. Durry butts and all this sort yes. of stuff. Just take your rubbish home and, yep. you know, don't be a grub. That would be, I would say, the number one etiquette thing. The rest of the stuff, you know, casting across people or whatever, that'll work itself you'll out. You'll get you know, better. That'll absolutely. be okay. Yep. Um, it's not going to be life and death. People understand everyone started somewhere, so it's all good. Rightio, so a wrap up. Yep. Um, don't be a grub. Yeah, definitely don't be a grub. <laughs> Learn your knots. Learn, Learn them, your practice knots. them. Yep. Uh, sit at home, sit at home on a rainy day or of a night and get online, Google uni knot, Google double uni knot and learn how to tie them. Yep. Learn your knots, loop knot. but don't learn many. You no. know, let's not make it more difficult than it needs to be. Um, and again, the same thing with rigs. Learn your rigs, but don't learn mi- many. So the running sinker rig, yes. The Patnoster rig, yes. Forget it. After that, it's all sort of uh, smoke yep. and mirrors anyway. Good. Yep. Don't forget to get some burley, bring some burley along, attract the fish to where you are fishing and then select some baits like squid and pilchard, which we sort of spoke about today as well. And don't go overboard with putting that bait on your hooks. No, small is good. good. And fishing light. You know, we're going to keep harping on about it, but fish as light as you possibly can. Remember that gold standard. The gold standard is a hook tied to your line. So the less you have to add to that, uh, the better off you'll be. Next episode... It's fish on, Lou. Hold on to your hats. It is fish on. We are getting a bite and we're fighting fish and we're cracking out the beer batter as all our plans are coming together. Oh, we're going to eat fish. Oh, we're eating fish. (laughs) Absolutely. And we're going to talk about some of our favourite recipes too. Now, if you're missing some of the important pieces of the angling puzzle, make sure you check out episodes one and two where we gear up, we get to the location and get to the point where we are wetting a line. Line and Sinker is presented by Nick Dygan, Andrew Hart, and Luke McCredden. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.